It is wonderful to see you all here this morning. The gospel lesson I just read is about an incident that took place in Capernaum, a small fishing village on the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee. I have had the good fortune to be in that synagogue on two occasions, in the ruins of that synagogue, as it were. And I have found it fascinating for at least two reasons. First of all, as reported in so many of the Gospels, that Jesus was there to teach, to pray, to heal. We can pretty much be assured that it is one of the places where when you visit, you were, you are where he was. The second thing that I find particularly fascinating <clears throat> is that it is the only synagogue of all of Israel that does not face towards Jerusalem. It wasn't actually until just recently that they figured out why it did not face towards Jerusalem. In their digging, they found one of the freezer stones from that synagogue. And it had etched into it the image of a cart. And in the cart were the Torah scrolls. As it turns out, that synagogue is so far north, so close to the enemies of Israel, that it was often attacked. And by facing it the opposite direction, by neglecting theological perspectives and their honored traditions, by being practical, they were able to save their holy scriptures. This morning, uh, I am going to do the outrageous thing of trying to be practical for a few moments <clears throat> because I am, as I know you are, very much invested in saving and strengthening the theological perspectives and traditions of the Episcopal Church. <clears throat> so I want to speak about three areas, <clears throat> and I hope briefly. First of all, I want to say a few words about our magnificent campus, our property and buildings. Ideally, we hope <clears throat> that the new rector and vestry will provide for this parish inspired leadership. But unfortunately, regardless of the strength of their vision, they may not be able 
to move in that direction because our property and buildings are consuming the majority of our financial resources. None of you would tolerate that <clears throat> in your businesses. And I don't think the leadership of this parish should tolerate it either. I do not know what needs to happen, <clears throat> but there is a group working diligently to figure out how these beautiful liabilities might become, again, magnificent assets. I hope, if that is an interest of yours, you will offer to help. I hope you will be attentive to those conversations so that you won't be surprised and resistant when some conclusion is drawn. This is a practical issue that needs to be addressed if you're going to move strongly into your next era. <clears throat> Secondly, I want to talk for a moment about the financial distress in which this parish is. <clears throat> One of our longtime and very involved members recently shared his surprise and shock to find out that regardless of the cuts that have been made over the last number of years, the reduction in staff hours, there's no longer a clergy assistant, there's no longer as much money going beyond the parish to the diocese or to mission work. With all those cuts, he had presumed that we were now in a time of financial stability. Not so. Part of the reason is the buildings and their maintenance, which I've mentioned. It is not that our people are not being generous. You are very generous, and more so each year, as actually is happening throughout the Episcopal Church, where the average pledge is now well above $2,000 a year. But the number of pledges is not sufficient enough to cover our expenses. We don't know why that is exactly. We have a large mailing list and a significant number of those on that mailing list are not supporting us financially. In the next several months we're going to spend some time with that list to determine if that significant number are just no longer actively related to our mission and ministry. Or if they are and are just not supporting financially, some education might be in order. 
But in saying this clearly, and I think all of us need to be aware of it, I want to warn you against falling into a trap that is destructive and self-defeating. If we begin to focus on increasing pledges, all that coughing, I must be making people uncomfortable. <laughs> if we focus on the number of pledges, we raise a very hurtful aura. If present members feel that they are being looked at as financial marks, or if visitors come into our doors and they see our glee and then realize it is because we hope there's one new pledge, I need to tell you, Jesus will not bless that work. And visitors sensing that will run faster than the wind. The numbers in the Episcopal Church are declining, yes. In the mid-60s, our numbers were about 3,600,000. They're now below two million. All the mainline denominations are in some decline. But this is my third point, that even though 40% or more of our parishes are declining in numbers at the rate of over 10% a year, over 25% of our congregations are growing at a rate of over 10% a year. And therein lies the good news. Yes, many of them are in the South, where being part of church is still much more a part of the culture. And yes, many of those growing churches are located in places where the population is growing, or there is an increased number of ethnic minorities for whom church is very important. But a significant number of those growing churches are touched by neither of those factors. What is true in those churches is that parishioners are finding new meaning and new purpose in their lives by being about the work to which God is calling their parish, about the ministry they have among themselves. Those parishes do not focus on one ministry or another. Some of them focus on inspiring worship, others on the feeding of the hungry. Some of them focus on small group ministries. And in the weekly gatherings of those small groups, people's lives 
are transformed. Regardless, the growing churches are populated by people who have found their lives changed, who have found something so exciting that they have to share it with their neighbors, with visitors. And that sense of meaning and purpose and excitement about being God's work is infectious. And so those communities are growing. The wonderful good news, brothers and sisters, is that as I move among you, I hear that from you more and more. How appreciative you are that somebody hugged you when you were lonely and life felt slipping away. How appreciative you are that you were able to really make a difference in somebody's life through a ministry this parish invited you into. The wonderful good news is that your leaders and you are listening, interested in growing, and ever interested in serving. And that is what leads to a joyful and generous future. It's just been wonderful to watch those things grow in you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. <clears throat>